0: It's been nearly three months of warfare between Israel and Hamas and Gaza, where more than 22,000 people have been killed. So is there any end in sight to this war? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's get started.
1: This is In America Today, from the Ticker News Studios in New York City.
0: Hello and welcome. Coming up, Russia pounds Ukraine in new waves of attacks as the new year begins. Plus, American Idol star Paula Abdul sues for sexual assault. But first... As the new year begins, it marks nearly three months of warfare between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. Recently, the Gaza Health Ministry says the death toll has reached more than 22,000 in the Hamas-ruled enclave. This comes as the Israeli defense minister is visiting Gaza and said that operations in the south are focused on areas above a tunnel network where Hamas leaders are believed to be hiding. For more, we're joined by Jonathan Tobin, the editor in chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thanks so much for having me on.
0: So as the new year begins and Israel remains committed to crushing Hamas terrorists, you know, what toll do you think this is taking on the nation?
1: Well, obviously, it, it's exacting a heavy toll on Israel. It's suffered, um, you know, a great deal of casualties on October 7th, more than 1,200 people. Uh, People were murdered, uh, others raped, tortured, um, and as we know, hundreds uh, kidnapped. Um, it's also taken a toll on its economy because you know hundreds of thousands of reservists were called up to serve. And hundreds of thousands of Israelis are refugees still because um, they were forced to leave their homes in southern Israel as well as some in northern Israel because of uh, Hezbollah shooting into northern Israel. So it's taking a toll. But I think the one thing that people should be under no misapprehension about is that uh, Israelis are still very much united behind this war um, because they know it's an existential conflict. Hamas's purpose is to destroy Israel, it's to kill as many Jews as they can, to commit genocide if they can. And uh, they know uh, that uh, their safety, their existence is at stake. And that is why um, they're behind an effort to however methodical, however slow, and it, it is going slowly, but the noose is gradually tightening around uh, the remnants of Hamas in Gaza. Um, I think there is no doubt that Israel will persist until Hamas is completely eliminated, completely defeated. And I think the United States, uh, the Biden administration, which is sort of still talking out of both sides of its mouth about this war, supporting Israel, but still, paying lip service to um, you know the left wing of the Democratic Party, which is anti-Israel, they know this. So that's why there has been no demand from Washington to end the war, absolutely, um, because they know that the Israelis will do it anyway, so it's better not to be turned down. And uh, besides, the United States wants Hamas eliminated too.
0: So politically the court got involved in Israel we saw something come uh, out of that and then also we're getting reports of Israeli deaths as uh, troops are repositioning in Gaza so kind of just where does things stand now
1: Yes well uh, as i think people who were following Israel in the you know 9 months before uh, October 7th Israel was deeply divided over a plan by the uh, the government to reform the judiciary, um, won't go into the weeds on that. Let's just say that Israel's Supreme Court has far more power than that of any court in any democratic country. Far more power than you know either Republicans or Democrats would ever dream of wanting to grant to the U.S. Supreme Court, no matter whether it was con- run by liberals or conservatives. Um, but um, the court, uh, you know, um, is sort of the last bastion of sort of. Uh, the old left-wing establishment in Israel that clings to power and its uh, supporters and the opposition to Netanyahu, um, you know, really made it very difficult. And now the court has ruled on actually the least controversial aspect of uh, the judicial reform, which was to say that the court couldn't merely, you know, uh, invalidate a law passed by the Knesset by the legislature just because they thought it wasn't reasonable. They, by an eight to seven vote, said no the court can do anything it wants. Um, I think had this happened, you know, in the absence of a war, it would have led to a tremendous constitutional um, standoff in Israel. But since, uh, since the war, this has really been put aside. I mean, I think a lot of Israelis think that this ruling, which was issued now because the current Chief Justice and one of her colleagues are about to be term limited out, um, you know, and they wanted to have their vote. They wanted to to uh, vote and to invalidate this. Um, it, you know, Israelis have put that controversy behind and and got behind the war. I think Netanyahu has already conceded that judicial reform will have to await, you know, uh, at some point in the future um, when um, the public is more uh, acclimated to it. And who knows what will happen then? But I think it's a moot point now. And I think those who think that this um, this decision will divide Israelis um, don't understand what October 7th did. I think it brought them together in a way that almost nothing could. Um, you have people, uh, you know, because the country was really engaged in a lot of, it was like a culture war, something that we in the United States know something about um, people divided by religion and politics and class and ethnic origin. And I think all Israelis have kind of pulled together from the ultra Orthodox To the most secular, um, Ashkenazi and Mizrahi, I think, you know, I think those who think that Israel is going to fall apart because of this decision are wrong. Most Israelis, the overwhelming majority of Israelis are behind this war. Whether or not they like Netanyahu, who remains a controversial figure, who ultimately will have to pay some kind of political responsibility, take responsibility for the debacle of October 7th. Right now, uh, the war continues, and nothing, I think will deter Israel from pursuing its goal.
0: What more do we know about the Israeli drone strike that killed a senior Hamas official in Beirut?
1: Well, uh, we that's about all we do now. Obviously, Israel isn't revealing operational details of a you know very complicated operation um, in what is uh, an enemy country. But it is clearly a warning to Iran and to Hezbollah that they um, they need to keep their heads down, that no one is safe. Those who were behind the October 7th atrocities, it's terrible, the worst mass slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust, they're all gonna pay a price. There's nowhere for them to hide, not in Lebanon, not in anywhere else. Um, these are criminals. They will be tracked down sooner or later and I think um, it also, you know, while well, Hezbollah has been trying to make things as uncomfortable as they can for Israel by shooting into north, northern Israel, as I said, you know, a lot of Israelis have been made refugees by that. But I think the assumption that there would be a two-front war with Hezbollah attacking the north, Hamas and the south, uh, that's uh, been proven something of a myth. Hezbollah doesn't want to risk what it will lose if it confronts Israel in that way, because it would lose and uh, Lebanon would be devastated by it. They don't want what happened in Gaza to happen there. Lebanese people, although they're controlled by this um, uh, Iranian auxiliary terrorist organization, Hezbollah, I think Hezbollah's grip on con- on the control of Lebanon um, and thereby Iran's control of Lebanon, would be lost if they started a war that would lead to such devastation.
0: Jonathan Tobin, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. The U.S. Congress will soon reconvene for the new year. Lawmakers will again have to decide on how much aid to give Ukraine as Russia is already ramping up attacks in the new Russia fired scores of deadly missiles and drones at Kiev and Kharkiv in Ukraine on Tuesday.
2: The attacks struck residential buildings and civilian infrastructures. In a suburb of the capital city, resident Inna Lukashenko said the strikes were relentless. We were under fire the
3: whole night. First, there were drones. Then we fell asleep for a second and were woken up by explosions. Hearing that missiles are in the
2: air, me and my child hit in the corridor. We were very scared. In Kharkiv, emergency workers said they were working in four locations across the city and that most injuries were caused by shrapnel. The attacks came hours after Russian President Vladimir Putin said an air attack on the Russian city of Belgorod would not go unpunished. Moscow said the strike on Saturday killed at least 25 civilians and blamed it on Ukraine. There was no official comment from Kiev in the hours after the attack on Belgorod. Kiev Mayor Vitali Klitschko said gas pipelines had been damaged in parts of the capital in Tuesday's assault, and electricity and water had been cut off in several districts. Bringing back memories of last winter, when Russia pounded the energy grid with missiles, causing frequent power outages and plunging millions into darkness. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said at least 70 Russian missiles were shot down on Tuesday. I thank everyone in the world who helps. Patriots, Iris, NASAMs. Every such system has at least saved hundreds of lives. Russia will answer for every life taken away. Glory to Ukraine. A Ukraine Air Force spokesperson said after the initial barrage, the situation remained tense and that air defences were bracing for more Russian missile launches. And Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba called on Western allies to accelerate supplies of air defense systems, long-range missiles and combat drones. Russia has stepped up air strikes on Ukraine over the New Year period. On Friday, it conducted the largest air attack, since the start
0: of the war. American Idol star Paula Abdul is suing a British TV producer for sexual assault. The lawsuit has been filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court. You
3: know American Idol star Paula Abdul filed a lawsuit accusing British TV executive Nigel Lifko of sexually assaulting her. During their collaboration on two popular talent shows, according to court documents, Abdul alleged that Lifko sexually assaulted her in an elevator during the early seasons of TV singing competition series, American Idol. Abdul tried to push him away and run as soon as the elevator doors opened, according to court documents. Lifgo is the producer of several hit television talent competitions. Reuters was not immediately able to reach Abdul or Lifgo for comment. Lifgo denied the allegations, according to TMZ. According to court documents, Abdul reported the assaults to her representatives, but did not take action for fear of losing her job, the lawsuit said. It added that Abdul's contracts also prohibited her from speaking out. Another alleged assault took place years later, when Abdul worked as a judge on So You Think You Can Dance, according to court documents. The lawsuit alleges, Livko assaulted her on the couch of his Los Angeles home after a work dinner.
0: Stay with us, more ticker coming up.